You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, anybody besides me happy about worshiping God today in church? Right on. Well, I'm uh, super glad to see you guys both in the room and online. We've been in this series. We've called 21 Days of Prayer. We ended the fasting part of the equation last Sunday. So how many of you enjoyed eating some awesome stuff this week, right? Uh, We fast every year. In order to go, we go without stuff. You know, some people go without meat or chocolate or social media, TV, whatever. And we're doing that so that we can pray with power because we don't want to have those cold prayers where we feel like we're just talking into the air. But we've looked at the three-way intersection of the Holy Spirit who brings fire into our prayers. And where those three things come together is where we want our prayer lives to be. And I was challenged by a little book called Prayer on Fire And in that book, there's a quote from a guy named Leonard Ravenhill, who's what some people would call a revivalist, who helps people get fired up for God. Here's what Leonard Ravenhill said. In the place of prayer, we have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors, many writers, but few fighters. And I think what we want to be is we want to be fighters in prayer. We want to have fire in our prayers along with the Holy Spirit. And over the past couple of Januaries, when we do the 21 days of prayer every year, I've noticed something that I have more to say about prayer than what I can possibly do in the 21 days. And so you should be thanking me today because our services would be really, really long over the past three weeks if I didn't bring the teaching that I'm going to bring today. So we know that the mind can only retain what the seat can endure. So you're welcome for not making you stay in church a long time over the past three weeks. And I'm bringing more content that I just had to get out today for you. Now, what I'm going to show you today are five characteristics of a tribe on fire. And you may be asking, why do I need to know the five characteristics of a tribe on fire? Is it so that I can church shop or whatever? No. Here's, look at it, check it out. The reason we want to look at five characteristics of church on fire is so that we can examine our hearts, so that we can be a people who make up a church that's on fire for Jesus. That is the why today, so we can examine our hearts. We're not like examining, evaluating the service today. We're evaluating our hearts so that we can make sure they're in alignment with what God wants to do in the world. Now, before we get to the five characteristics, we're going to be looking at these things that were all gathered from the New Testament book of Acts. Some people call it Acts of the Apostle. It's more accurately named the Acts of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what the Holy Spirit does, go through and read through the book of Acts. Now, let's look at the five together. I'm going to run over them real quickly, and then we'll break them down. Number one, a tribe on fire is about we, not me. Number two, a tribe on fire is generationally diverse. Number three, a tribe on fire produces witnesses. Number four, a tribe on fire has a heart for the poor. And then finally, number five, 
A tribe on fire prays longer than 21 days. So let's go back and break down each one of those individually. Remember, number one, a tribe on fire is about we, not me. If you go to Acts, it says there, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. The church on fire in the New Testament book of Acts, they regularly gathered. They would get together in large settings, like at the cameo, like what we're doing today. They would also get together in smaller groups or what we call tribes here in homes, meeting in homes, but they realized and recognized the importance of the collective, of the group, of the tribe, of the community. And because I grew up Anglo, I grew up with a little bit of disadvantage in this area. And that's why I appreciate many of you. The majority of our church is Latina, Latino. And you guys have mentored me and helped me to understand the concept of familia, right? The family. Familia is all about we, not just me as an individual. And that's one of the reasons I love you guys so much is because you brought me along and showed me by your example how to operate in the way of familia, which is really more like the body of Christ concept in the New Testament. A lot of us grew up with what's called rugged individualism, which has some advantages, doesn't it? But at the same time, rugged individualism doesn't show us how to live uh, for the tribe, for the body of Christ. We've got to be aware of the collective, the tribe, the family. Now, I brought my fire poker today. How many of you men, raise your hands, men, if you have a fire poker, okay? It's an important tool of every man because when we are warming ourselves by the fire, telling stories, when we are cooking raw meat over the fire, ah, 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 we love our fire poker, poker, do we not, men? And the reason we love it is because sometimes a log will fall off the pile or roll off. And that log that rolls off from the other logs on the fire will get cold, gray, ashy, and lifeless. That's why we have to take our fire poker and we poke it back next to the other logs so that it can again flame up and be fiery red. And that's what I'm doing today is I want to stoke the fire a little bit today. I want to poke us next to each other in the tribe to be fired up for the things of God. And I want to ask for your help for just a minute. If you're sitting next to your friends or family member, I want you to give them the most gentle and appropriate little poke and say, stay next to the fire. Very good. I just helped someone's love life today. Can I tell those of you, particularly those of you online, uh, I, I want to give a boundary here when it comes to poking. I don't think that we should poke one another on Facebook. I don't like the poke feature. That's an annoying feature to me personally. It should be in the Bible. If it's not, I'll find a verse and make it up. But we want to be together saying we, not me. And so let's say this prayer out loud. If you're at home watching or if you're in the theater, when you see the prayer come up on screen, I'll lead us and you say it loud and proud out loud with me. Ready? Holy Spirit, fill our church with your fire. I choose to join with other logs in the fire. Let us burn red hot for Jesus. We declare it's about we, not me. 
in Jesus' name. That's a good prayer, is it not, for us to be a part of the fire together? Here's an action that you can take on this. If you're not a part of a smaller group or tribe, you can go to citytribe.church slash tribes and be a part of one of those. I wanted to highlight one of the tribes that I've been aware of is that we've got all these groups that do cultivate together. It's a large group, then these small tribes, smaller groups where you can talk to just a few people and all of those filled up except for one. So there's a men's Zoom tribe that meets online for Cultivate. It's a four-month commitment. Some of you men perhaps would be helped by engaging in that one. So you can go to the website and look at more information about it and get registered for it this week. Now let's move on to number two. A tribe on fire is generationally diverse. That means it's comprised of young and old Together, we see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, which says, Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. So there we see both the sons and the daughters. We see the young and the old contribute towards the tribe, the collective, the family here. If you kept reading in Acts, you would get to chapter 16. You would see the older Paul mentoring a teenager by the name of Timothy. Some of you know that Timothy has two little books or two little letters in the New Testament that bear his name because Timothy was mentored by older Paul. He became a senior pastor of a large thriving church in Ephesus. That's the way the kingdom of God is designed to be passed on. This is why those of you who are children and middle and high school students are so important to us and all that we do here at City Tribe. I dream of a significant movement of the Holy Spirit amongst our children and amongst our students. And we've seen these things happen throughout history. Certainly it was in the Bible. It's also been in the early 1900s in something called the Wales Revival. Some people call these things revivals. Some people call them renewals where people get fired up about the things of God and there's a supernatural outpouring of God's spirit onto people that changes people. This Wales revival was instigated by the Holy Spirit through a man named Evan Roberts. He met with 17 teenagers and he didn't entertain them, but he said, let's pray this one thing. They prayed, send Holy Spirit now for Jesus' sake. Send Holy Spirit now for Jesus' sake. And something happened in that group of students. The fire of God came upon them. They started sharing their faith with others. They became witnesses. They were fired about in their, their prayer lives. And it spread all over whales, adults, people who didn't believe, began to believe. Another significant movement that's very similar to the whales Revival is one that I spoke of last year. We'll link to that talk in the comments about the Hebrides revival. The Hebrides are a group of islands off the coast of Scotland. And during this massive move of the Holy Spirit, people who were both Christ followers as well as spiritual investigators started encountering God. It wouldn't be uncommon to 
go down the road and see people on the side of the road just crying out to God to have mercy on them. They were experiencing God. The churches were full. It wasn't uncommon to see twice as many people outside a church building worshiping because they couldn't get in. The churches were so packed and so full. People, there are stories of people on their way to church. They haven't even heard a sermon yet, and they're beginning love relationship with Jesus because the Spirit of God was moving through that area in such a significant way. And it was instigated by two older generation people. One was Peggy, one was Christine Smith. They were these two sisters in their 80s. They're seen pictured here with one of the pastors who was a part of that movement. They lived in a little cottage on the side of the road. They couldn't hardly get out because one was blind, one had severe arthritis, but they converted their little cottage into a prayer house, a prayer cottage, where they got down on their knees the best they could. They prayed to God that God by his spirit would create a great movement amongst younger people for God. And one of the sisters had a dream, vision, kind of a spiritual experience where she could see that God was going to bring many, many young people to faith in Christ and fill their church. And God answered their prayers for this. The vision came true. And young people, teenagers, started filling the church all because these, these two older ladies started to pray. Older generation are we going to be willing to pray in this way for our kids? If you're older, here's how I define older. If you're older than me, you're old, okay? If you're my age, you're young and younger. See, that's the way I see it. But are there some folks, maybe someone online, you can't even come to the building because you would be considered too much in the vulnerable category. Will you get on your knees and pray, God, bring your spirit to move amongst our students? Our children pour out Holy Spirit all over our kids, fire them up for God. Well, there was one kid, he was 15 years old, who was a part of the Hebrides revival. He had come to faith in Christ during this movement. And Donald was known for his powerful prayers. In fact, one day they were praying at a police station. I guess they were just praying for crime to go down, praying for the police. And Donald just clapped his hands together and said the word, Father, and when he said, Father, the Spirit of God fell on that place and people start crying, experiencing God falling to their knees, turning from their old ways and changing because one word. This kid's prayers were so powerful that oftentimes in the church services, the adults would call on him to pray if church was boring and nothing was happening. And this kid would stand up, he would pray, and the Holy Spirit would just move across the room, sweeping the room with people having encounters with God. And I want to ask you younger students, middle school, high school, kids, college students, do you aspire to be a prayer person like Donald? Would you aspire to have powerful prayer so much so that when people are nodding off during my sermons, I could call on you to stand up and pray and the power of God would sweep across the cameo theater and move in people's hearts and lives? I hope that there's a Donald among us, a Donald at among us who 
aspires to pray in this way. So could we commit to pray for our children and students here at City Tribe? I want to ask you to do something right now. If you're a volunteer at Kids City or City Youth, I want to ask you to just stand up. If you at right now or at any time volunteer there, I want to ask you to stand up. Also, I want to ask students and children to stand up. If you're in middle school or if you're in high school or if you're a child or a kid, you know, I'm not trying to talk down. I just want to ask you to stand up real quick. If you're at home, stand up. And all the rest of us, let's reach out to them and let's pray for our students and these volunteers. And we're going to pray out loud together the prayer that you guys can see on screen. So here we go. Ready? Out loud. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we cry out to you on behalf of our kids. We pray down the kingdom of God on our kids. We pray for our kids' hunger and thirst for the things of God. Will you please pour out your Holy Spirit on our kids and give a deep desire to know Christ, to follow hard after him. Holy Spirit, fill kids' city. Holy Spirit, fill city youth. Set them on fire for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you guys show some love to our kids, our students, our volunteers, and all that? Awesome. And like Pastor Lee mentioned earlier, if you're in middle or high school, show up this Wednesday and Pastor Lee and others, are. we're going to be training you to know what you believe and why. You're not just going to be one of those kids that wants to be entertained all the time, but you'll know what you believe and how to communicate it to others in our world. So look at the next characteristic of a tribe on fire. This is number three. A tribe on fire produces witnesses. And we got this from Acts 1.8, which says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my what? Say that word. Witnesses in Jerusalem, which was their town, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And some of you will go from here as witnesses. You'll just tell other people about what God has done in your life, not just here in San Antonio, but some of you will go all over the world and spread this good news. Prayer fire of the Holy Spirit gives us a heart to reach other people every single time we experience it. And I know that this is unpopular in the culture in which we live because a lot of people say, hey, you shouldn't be proselytizing. You shouldn't be, you know, promoting your beliefs to other people. But the fact is that we're just honest about it, that if a person says you shouldn't try and persuade others of your beliefs, they're trying to persuade you of a way of thinking and a philosophy of life. And so we're just being honest about what we're doing. We're not saying to be rude to other people or be Bible thumpers that judge others, but in love, in appropriate conversations, we it should be natural for us to want to share our faith with other people because Jesus has been so good to us. And if you keep reading in Acts, you would see it says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you kept reading through the book of Acts, you would get to chapter 16 where it says, the churches grew larger every day because everywhere the tribe catches fire, more people come to know Jesus and have a relationship with him. Now, some people would say, perhaps even someone in our church would, might say this. Have you ever heard someone say, well, 
We don't need our church to grow any bigger. We just need to disciple the people we already have. Have you ever heard that? Well, look at me just for a minute. And, and I'm trying to not be rude when I say this. But that type of thinking is actually deception and it's demonic. The devil always works in half-truths because the devil knows that half-truths are the most effective lies. He never comes at you with a straight-up lie. He'll come with something that sounds good. And it sounds good to say, yeah, we should just disciple the people we already have. Because who's not for discipleship? I mean, we're all for discipleship. But the great commission and the clear teaching of Scripture is that everywhere there's real discipleship happening, there are people who are trying to reach out and help others escape hell and experience the abundant life that Jesus offers to us. It's not either discipleship or reaching more people. It's the genius of the and. It is both. They both go hand in hand together, discipleship and reaching more people for Christ. We have to reach more people for Christ. Our mission here at City Tribe is helping people who feel far from God become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Could we say that out loud together? Ready? Helping people who feel far from God become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And here's how we get this done in four ways. Every activity, service, program, class, opportunity for service is designed to do one of four things. Help people know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference in the world. Those are the four things that we do here in a month or so. We'll be doing a series to re-envision ourselves for the reason that God has placed us here in the inner city of San Antonio. What we're attempting to be is what's called a centrifugal force, like the discus thrower. You've seen the discus thrower in a small circle create momentum and throw the disc outward. See, we want to be outward focused, outward focused towards those who don't know Christ to help them to come to know him, outward focused to serve our community. Because what we do not want to be is a centripetal force. A toilet is a centripetal force. It's where the momentum goes inward, where people say, hey, we're just going to focus on ourselves and discipling the people we already have. Churches like that end up going down the toilet. We see it all over the world. We have to grow God's kingdom. We have to save more people from hell, dysfunction, and destruction in their lives, not just now, but in the afterlife. And this year, we're praying and thinking about ways to do it. Now, last year, we were able to further the kingdom through growing our online audience and platform. More and more people are experiencing church online. In addition, we were able to further God's kingdom through planting another church, a Kuo church. Pastor Humby and Abel, we sent them out with funds and people to plant a new church in another neighborhood in a city. In fact, uh, Pastor 
Pastor Robbie, uh, Pastor uh, Humby and Abel, they're our sons. They're our spiritual sons. And so Humby's going to come back and give us a talk in February, mid-February. So make sure and be here to support Humby and show some love for him and Akuo Church. So that was one way we were for the kingdom last year. Now this year, 21, 2021, we're praying about how we can further the kingdom both digitally as well as here in person. If the pandemic ended today, the Cameo Theater could not hold the numbers of people who are watching the services digitally, locally, and the numbers of people that are coming in person, socially distanced. We wouldn't have enough space. So we're just praying what we're gonna do. One of the things we're thinking about and we're praying about is on certain Sundays, we're gonna rent perhaps some larger venues and just on certain Sundays we'll go and worship in these larger venues to create more space for more people. If you own or know someone that owns a large warehouse in the inner city, we pray that God would show something to us where we could hold the numbers of people that we believe God wants us to reach. And that's really hard for me to even think about. And I want to tell you why. I love the Cameo Theater. I've put my blood, sweat, and tears and resources into Cameo Theater. I've got so many great memories here. I love this place. But what I have to come to terms with is the movement of what God is doing here is not about a place. It's about people. Is anybody with me to make sure that we always keep our church about people rather than a place? God cares about people more than he cares about places. God cares about one human being more than he cares about a thousand different buildings. And the reason that Europe is littered with cathedrals that are just museums now is because people valued their buildings more than they valued the people that were to occupy those buildings. And so uh, we want to make sure and keep the main thing, the main thing. We're gonna link to, in the comments for those of you are watching online, a message that Pastor Lee gave about compassionate workers for the harvest. I would strongly suggest you watch that talk. But for now, let's pray a prayer together, uh, igniting our hearts to be filled with the Spirit and experience being witnesses. So here's the prayer on screen. Let's say it out loud together, whether you're watching at home, online, or in the room. Here we go, ready? Holy Spirit, fill us and make us your witnesses. We know you love people. Use us to bring more and more people to you. Fire up our hearts with a burden and passion for souls. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the ways that we can apply that is to invite someone to experience our streaming services and also those who are comfortable come to in-person gatherings to invite them here. But let's move on to number four. A tribe on fire has a heart for the poor. We've done a lot of services on this topic. I'll link to one in the comments about a party for the poor, but this comes from Acts chapter four, verse 34, where we're told Luke wrote these words down. He said, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed 
to each as any had need. And some people would say, well, that sounds a lot like communism, but it's actually not. And I want to show you the difference through a quote from Rick Warren, who's a pastor and author. He said, capitalism says what's mine is mine and I will keep it. Communism says what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. Christian love says what's mine is yours and I'm eager to share it. That's a big difference, isn't it? Because we believe what Proverbs 22, 9 says, that a generous man or a generous woman will himself be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. And I'm so proud of you guys because in 2020, together, we gave away thousands and thousands of dollars to people who were struggling financially. Some had lost their jobs and needed help to pay mortgages, car payments, insurance for food, and all sorts of supplies. You guys last year gave more resources than have ever been given in and through this church in the 13-year history of this church during a global pandemic. Man, thank you, Lord. Thank you, guys, for your generosity. So see, we gave away more. And do you see the correlation? We received more. And you know why that's beautiful? Because when we receive more, we can give away even more. Because we know the truth of Proverbs 19, 17. Look at it. He who is kind to the poor lends to who? The Lord. And he will reward him for what he has done. The Lord has rewarded us and he will continue to as we say generous to the poor and those who have need. Now, one of the interesting things to me is people's interactions with the poor. And I was inspired by a quote from a guy named Shane Claiborne. And here's what he said. I believe that the greatest tragedy of the church is not that rich, rich Christians do not care about the poor, but they do not know the poor. Does that make sense? They don't know anybody who is poor. And then Shane did this survey where he surveyed people who agreed with the statement that consider themselves to be strong followers of Jesus. And 80% of those people believe that Jesus spent a lot of time with the poor and under-resourced. And of that same group of people, the 80% that believe that Jesus spent time with the poor, only 1% spent any time with the poor themselves. That's interesting, huh? And the way we think about it here at City Tribe is that City Tribe is not a church for the poor. We're a church with the poor. You understand the difference? It's not that we go from church out there into the world and give away a few things to poor people and then come back to our safe environment. We bring the poor into our environment to be a part of the family. Sure, we go out and serve, but everyone is welcome here, no matter their income level. And I remember as I was thinking about this, I was remembering a young, hip volunteer that we had here at the church. He was on our welcome greeting team, usher. You know, he would welcome people into church. Cool dude. And he worked alongside and knew our friend, the late Dennis, uh, 
some of you guys remember Dennis Maples. And if you knew Dennis, you knew that Dennis spent a fair amount of time under bridges, sleeping out on the streets, in shelters. He struggled financially most of his adult life before he passed away. Well, anyways, back to the young hip volunteer. This young volunteer went to a church out of state, this kind of a trendy, cool church, you know, up and coming. And he got all excited by what he saw. And he came back and he said, Pastor Doug, Pastor Doug, you should have seen it, man. The welcome team at that church, they were cool and they had the look and they were like Instagram influencers. And we got to make our church like that. And I asked him a question. I said, hey, man, at that church out of state that you visited, could Dennis be a greeter at that church? And he's like, uh, yeah, he probably couldn't. And I'm here to tell you today that as long as I'm here as pastor, Dennis and others like Dennis and like you and I will always have a place here to be a part of the team. So remember, they're not out there. They're part of us. There's no those poor people. It's us. That's all there is. There's just us. And I want you to take some action on this today. And that's why our welcome team ushers gave you this little card today of these supplies. Because there's some most vulnerable folks in our community, some who are elderly, some who have children, and we're going to help them. The food pantry at Somebody Cares SA run by our own Mark Roy, who's a member of our tribe and serves here. We're going to load them up with these supplies. So this week, collect these things, buy these things, and bring them to church. If you're one who is not able to come in person, but you're worshiping online, just do a drive-by, right? It's the good kind of driveway, not the bad kind of drive-by. But see, you just... Bring the good stuff here. You can drop it off. You're used to curbside to going and getting stuff and consuming things. This week, it's going to be curbside to give some things to the most vulnerable among us. And hey, a shout out to our motorcycle tribe because these are men and women that they step up all the time. And they are going to be the ones that are collecting these items that we're going to bring during the hours that we have church services on Next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to bring those things. You can just drive by and drop them off, or you can just bring them to services. I love the motorcycle tribe, by the way. They ride these big hogs and stuff, and I'm thinking about joining them one for a ride some week. You know, I have like this Vespa-like scooter, and they drive these hogs, and I'm going to go and be like, praying all the way, but I love those folks. Let's, let's move on to number five, and that is a tribe on fire prays longer than 21 days. See, we know that it takes longer than just 21 days to pray in the presence of God. 21 days is just the beginning. And if you did 21 days of prayer and fasting this year and you fasted and you prayed for stuff and you weren't answered, I want you to keep praying. In Acts, it says in chapter 12, verse five, so Peter was kept in prison, but look at the next part, but fervent and persistent prayer for him was being made to God by the church. And perhaps they remembered when Jesus says, 
keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Well, then they were persisting in their prayers for Peter, and they heard someone knocking, but it was Peter knocking because he had miraculously escaped from prison for preaching the gospel, and a little girl had to answer the door to let him in, and they were blown away by the power of God because of their persistent asking, seeking, and knocking. And this truth of persistent prayer to keep on praying after the 21 days is challenging for me as a pastor. I know I have to stay on my prayer game. That's why I agree with what Leonard Ravenhill says. He says, no man, or I would add to that woman, is uh, greater than their prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. How many of you know that to be the truth? But don't judge me. The people who are not praying are straying. That's the truth, too. So we've got to keep on praying, keep our eyes on the goal to keep praying. Some of you, I've known people in our church who have done 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I know people that fasted from different things that they just kept right on fasting from it because God led them to a longer fast. Some of you started praying for something that's just a launch pad for a longer-term prayer commitment. There are things that I started praying for during 21 days of prayer like three years ago, on a January three years ago, and I still hadn't got the answer. But I am not going to quit praying. I'm going to stay in persistent prayer, seeking, asking, knocking. And I was inspired by this story in the BBC, and it's entitled, it's written by Peter Crutchley, and it said, did a prayer meeting really bring down the Berlin Wall and end the Cold War? And the article is about this pastor, Nicholas Furr, who organized a prayer meeting at his church called the Prayers for Peace. Now, some of you remember when that Berlin Wall was up. Germany was divided east and west. There was oppression. There was oppressive government on the east side of Germany, in East Germany. This guy organizes a prayer meeting, and he invited everyone to come. Young people came. Old people came. Atheists and believers came because they could voice their concerns about the oppression in their world in this prayer meeting. They start praying. It started out with a handful and then it grew to like 8,000 people. People were crowded into that church and all around it. And that movement spread throughout Germany. There were over 300,000 people praying for the Berlin Wall to come down. They kept praying with persistence. Oftentimes, the government was threatening them with violence, but they continued to pray. In fact, German officials later said, we were prepared for anything. They were prepared for uprisings and they had the military ready to stomp it out. They said, we were prepared for everything except candles and prayer. The power of prayer here. One German historian said, the importance of prayer cannot be overestimated in bringing down the Berlin Wall. And bringing down the Berlin Wall was precisely what happened. And it didn't happen in 21 days. It happened after 28 years of prayer. Let's commit to the long haul in this prayer endeavor. And let me ask you something. 
What wall are you praying down right now? Because oftentimes those strongholds don't come down in 21 days. Oh, they may. And we've heard many, many stories of when God miraculously answers a prayer or creates what we would call a breakthrough in prayer. But sometimes we have to stay the course. And you pray down that wall one brick at a time. And today, the Berlin Wall is a tourist attraction where people go to see what was because there is a new reality of freedom because people were committed to persistent prayer. So how about we say a prayer together to commit ourselves to this type of prayer? Look on screen with me and let's say it loud and proud out loud. Ready? Holy Spirit, Fill us with endurance. Encourage us to keep praying even when we haven't been answered. God, we won't give up. We'll keep praying for those we love. We'll keep praying for breakthroughs in our lives. We know you're a good father. We believe you'll answer us in your timing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anybody encouraged by those prayers today and uh, encourage you to keep praying? Good. And you know, if you need prayer today, our prayer leaders love praying for you. They will pray with power. The uh, effectual prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much, the Bible says. And so if you need prayer today, just reach out at citytribe.church slash prayer, and our prayer leaders would be more than happy to minister to you and pray for you today. Now, we're going to continue the conversation about prayer next week, too. It's spilling into February, and we're going to keep on talking about prayer, so make sure and be back for that next Sunday. And the reason that all the good things that are happening around here are possible is because we have committed ourselves to bringing a first fruit tithe, like a first priority tithe at the local storehouse, the church here, and one of the reasons we do that is we embrace the truth of Proverbs eleven twenty four, which says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another person withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And see, our offerings, this way of worship with our resources is a way about of refreshing others. And you know, I love you guys because you guys are always so generous in your tithes and above, but even above that, we're bringing like supplies for others uh, this week through the, the little pantry drive that's just a week long. So here's four ways to donate here for those of you that may be new. You can mail those offerings into our P.O. box that you can see on screen online. You can go to citytribe.church slash tithe. You can text the tithe, text the number there, follow the directions, or you can do so in person at the stations that are located near the exits of the theater. You may not remember all that, so just look on the website and you'll see all that information there. But before you stand up and receive a benediction over you, be mindful that those of you that are worshiping in the theater, in order to keep things safe, we want to ask you to wait to exit the theater until your usher comes and dismisses your row. Can we agree to be a part of that? We're in this together, so let's be safe and let's keep our, our disciplines of mass and 
exiting appropriately. So let's stand up together. If you're next to a family member or someone you came with, put one arm on them and one hand out and in a position to receive. We're with those of you who are worshiping online. You guys stand up too. Stand up in your pajamas, put down your coffee, open up a hand right now and receive these words over you. Dear brothers and sisters, walk from here as familia, knowing this is about we, not me. Encourage the young and respect the old. Be witnesses of Jesus in San Antonio and the United States and around the world, knowing that we give preferential treatment to the poor. Endure in prayer for the whole tribe as you nudge others towards the fire of the Holy Spirit. Go from here with your fire poker and nudge others towards the flame so that they too would experience the fire of God. You guys have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you next time. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.